Hey guys, welcome to the Tech People Podcast. My name is Ken Coyne. I'm your host and founder, as well as head of technology at Office Talent. I believe at the heart of any success story are the people who made it happen. Diversity, creativity, and innovation, when nurtured in people, can lead to an unbeatable formula. I created this podcast to share the experiences of some truly inspirational leaders on their journey to success. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Tech People. This week, we are discussing customer success. Why build a CS team? What is the role in the organization? And how would you go about building this team? I'm delighted to be joined by Ante Neverleiden, who is a CS advisor based in Helsinki in Finland. Ante provides us with a very frank insight on his experience of working in customer success, including his criteria for acquiring a CS team and also alternative solutions to customer success managers. Let's welcome Ante. Welcome to the show, Ante. Thank you. Great to have you on board. And I hope all is well up in the Nordics. Yeah, it's 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 really nice. Spring is coming. No more uh, no more snow. <laughs> so you, you, how are you? What, when did it actually? When does it start? Because you you get twenty four hours of daylight in the summertime, is it? Yeah, just like uh, maybe a few weeks, a uh, few something weeks back, we had the daylight savings time. Okay, uh, the clocks change, so the days are getting longer by the minute and uh, at midsummer we get like four days of sunshine wow yeah i remember i was there previously for that it was just incredible it just felt so strange waking up in the middle of the night so to speak but yeah it's so bright outside it's just crazy yeah and we have to lie to our kids every every night that it's uh, it's actually night and you have to go to bed (laughs) very good yeah but it's easier in the winter when it's no oh, yes. sun at all. That's hard. That must be hard. My goodness. But yeah. let's, let's, let's get into it. Can we start to learn a bit about you, who you are, and what's your current role, please? Sure. At the moment, I'm a CS advisor okay. for uh, startups. And uh, I have a background of service design, CS ops at a small startup, and then uh, leading CS at a hyper growth unicorn uh-huh. and now i'm doing some advising but really i am just waiting for the perfect place to put my hands again to the dirt ah sounds exciting fantastic yeah. so tell us so i mean we're talking about customer success here and you know one i suppose the main topic is how do you build a customer success team but before we even get to that i mean in your words, Ante, why why would you go about building a customer success team? It's a good question. I, I think you need to start with with the product and does it need a CSM team or what okay. does it need? Because I don't think retention is important. You also need to have the different aspects of the customer success. You need to look at the customer journey and like acquisition. All of this, I think, should be included in the CS team, okay. advocacy, acquisition, conversion, like the whole flywheel. It's Why just you... not about retention. It's about okay. everything. Okay. So customer success really encompasses not just retention. It's also uh, it, you know, it, attracting new customers in, 
Yeah, because uh, like the goal is to make advocates out of your customers and the advocates okay. bringing new business and you need to track that as well. So it's really that aspect of it really is, I suppose, the sales aspect. Would you would you agree with that? Yeah, also that. But when you start like designing what kind of CS team you need, you need to see the whole journey. But, That's a good but, point. You yeah, it's a good point you mentioned there. And uh, sorry if I interrupt you, but so yeah. So when we talk about design. How would you approach then about building that team? Where would you start? What are the steps that you would go through to get into that journey? Yeah, I, uh, I would start with uh, with the product and the customer journey. What's needed? Like uh, break it down into life cycle stages. Like very simplified onboarding, adoption, growth, advocacy, and then like start seeing the gaps all over the journey. Where do you need one-to-many support? Where do you need actually one-to-one support? Is it is it a relatively easy product that you can just create one-to-many trainings? Is the onboarding going to be long or short? Do you need people doing that? Like making it as effective as possible, not just adding five CSM and then figuring out what to do. Right. Okay. And yeah, so yeah, that's a good point because how can you determine then, you know, how many people you'd need? How would you work on the budget? How would that leap? How would that come to about? Yeah, that's the thing. You don't need what skill, if you don't know what skills you need in your team, mm. how can you start even like, how can you start creating a CS team exactly. or a CS function if you actually don't know what you need? Exactly. And if it's uh, like play for, creating advocates for enterprise accounts. You need like relationship builders, strategizers. Mm. If it's a relatively easy product, maybe you don't need CSMs at all. Maybe you need a great support and some onboarding specialists. I don't know. Depends on the product. Okay. So I talked to you a bit more. So go to that detail. So depending, you know, you mentioned there you might need CSMs at all. So if maybe even if you could, would you have an example that you could talk to us that you could share maybe where you might have had a product that would need CSMs or maybe product that you didn't need them? How did you determine that? Uh, I would say that uh, the product is a more enterprise product that needs a relationship with the C-level buyers. Those need uh, either uh, account managers or CSMs. Okay. But if it's a product that has the annual contract value less than 10,000, you shouldn't use a lot of uh, human hours on those accounts. So okay. you need to figure out how to serve them effectively without CSMs. Okay, so can you share some ideas on how you would serve them that maybe worked in the past? Yep, sure. Like uh, for uh, my past experience, like, a small company, we had a free trials for um, the annual contract value was less than a thousand. So really small uh, clients. We gather data in, in CRM, like not just usage data, but feature adoption data, logins, this and that's. And then we created an automized email engagement program. Right. And uh, it was a workflow in HubSpot that track the feature adoption and send out these, uh, I call them tip of the weeks, weekly, like newsletters. But okay. the newsletters were different for 
for different uh, clients because they had different functions or features on at the moment. So if somebody didn't, let's say, put prices on their page, we would send them the pricing tip of the week. And if somebody else had pricing, but they didn't have photos, we sent photos tip of the week. Ah, so it's okay, just great. like personalized engagement with no human needed to spend yeah, no, any hours yeah, with that. It makes sense. But I mean, is it was it complex to set that up? Did you need something very technical to help you with that? No, it was just a workflow in HubSpot. It took like 15 minutes to do the workflow and, I don't know, one hour for the API push ah. from our system to HubSpot. Brilliant. Okay, so that's simple. So, yeah. It started in a way that I made a data table okay. for our uh, data analyst and uh, he pushed the data in HubSpot and then I created all these uh, automations and workflows around it. Okay. Right. So we kind of moved from, then we made in-app onboarding. So we moved from personal onboarding and training to in-app onboarding and pushing these feature adoptions so we could sell the main product that needed yeah, those features. Great idea. I really like it. Go back to me about so building the actual example where we're building a customer success team. I mean, just maybe maybe you can give us some more detail on how you went about doing it and maybe some of the challenge, the key challenges that you faced in that process. Sure. So at first, yeah, you need to find the gaps when you uh, design the customer journey, what the product needs, what's the yeah. end outcome for the customer and what do you need in, in, in between. Then you find the skill gaps. Okay, here I need people mm. and they have to be technical because the onboarding is, I don't know, three months long and it needs a technical person. And now I have a skill that I need to hire for. And then uh, that's it. But if you don't know the, the skill gaps, I think you tend to hire like relationship builders. Okay. And those are good for, I don't know, enterprise clients. But then... Uh, so yeah, when you say relationship builders, you talk people with like good interpersonal skills. Yeah. Okay. And then you need to build a training program for the team or not a program. If it's a small team, you can start with some easy uh, customer journey documents. But uh, you need to uh, teach them how to serve the customers in a unified way so you can measure it. If they're just doing whatever they do, you can't measure what works in onboarding because they're everybody's doing the different things. So if you have a CES score in onboarding, it differs from CSM to CSM because they are not doing the same things. Right, okay. A unified service, good training on that. And then uh, one important stuff that's going on right now is the workload management. I think like CSMs are, they're empathetic. This is just like generalization that CSMs are empathetic and that's like the blessing and the curse because they tend to take the work at home and Uh, like they burn out because of that. They care too much. So workload management is not the most important thing of the managers, but it should be on top to actively listen. And you need to like consistently check their performance, not to micromanage, but to see if if they show like symptoms of burnout. 
Sorry, can I, that's yeah. a very important point because it is a big issue we face today. What kind yeah. of symptoms do you know? Like it, it can be difficult to spot these symptoms. How do you, in your experience, how have you spotted this? Yeah, that's true. Like in remote setting, it's, it's kind of uh, impossible if you exactly. don't do it intentionally in one-on-ones. If you don't have like a unified service actions they need to do, you can't like compare them to anything. So you just need to listen, you need to like get into their head. If they're like losing motivation, if they're tired, but if, if they don't tell you that, it's a different story. Yeah, okay. But you need to create a trustful relationship with a team that they share the, these things to you. Building, it's all about building that relationship and constantly communicating with them and listening to them. Asking yeah. them, are they okay? Anything they'd like to share? Yeah, and like in remote setting, it's like it's super important. The next point was building a strong team culture. And in remote setting, you need to be intentional as a team lead. You need to create those uh, moments of, I don't know, coffee chats or weekly right. social calls. Because that's not going to happen. Because those people are not in an office, leaving all at the same time, getting coffee, maybe getting drinks after work. That doesn't happen. They're just at their home working on their computer, and then they close the laptop, and that's it. You need to make those. What I saw when I was working remotely, I had like one month, two months, one-on-one with the team. I knew everybody. We had our first social call. I just realized that nobody knew each other. I had personal relationship with everyone, but they basically haven't talked to each other ever. Wow. So that was kind of like the realization moment that, oh, shh, like I need to be really intentional about this. Like those old leadership practices, they just don't cut it anymore. I need to unlearn some stuff and learn some new tricks. Yeah. I agree completely with you. I mean, it's, it's, it's much more challenging now in that remote environment and understanding what the challenges, because people are different challenges now. Yeah. Uh, true, things true. like being working at home all alone and no contact with the outside world is, is, we saw that with COVID, which caused a lot of issues and mental illness. Now it's much more an issue now than I think it was previously, or maybe it was previously also. We didn't see it as much. Uh, yeah. To handle these things. And I suppose some uh, employers are good and some are not so good at this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just it's the cons of remote working. Yeah. People's men- mental health. Like there's a lot of thoughts about uh, flexibility and you can do your job anywhere in the world. But we're humans. We need the human contacts and social yeah. surroundings. And some people don't have that social cir- circles outside of work. And if you don't have that at work, then you're alone. And I think that is like on the companies. They should have yearly offsites for the whole company. They should have quarterly offsites for the teams, not just for the teams, but like pots. So you don't silo. Yeah, you need to be super intentional about these things. Yeah. Okay, but that's a good point you raise. But on the other side of that, I mean, that's a big investment as well, isn't it, for the company? I mean, financially wise. That's true. But are we seeing like a bit of off topic, but are we seeing that employees don't tie themselves to employers that much anymore. Is it like the other side of that? Now we saw a big layoffs for the last, what, one and a half year. So uh, employees are seeing that companies are not 
invested in the employees. Mm. So maybe we are seeing the other way around. So if companies don't invest money in holding the teams together, they might be in a situation where they uh, the tenures are under a year and they have to constantly train new people. Yeah, I agree. Um, that might be the downside if you don't invest that money. That's true. But I suppose, I suppose there is other ways as well that you don't. I mean, I know. I, I mean, I like those ideas of all going for an offsite, now, but there's other ways that you can was try and bring a team together, isn't it? Like you mentioned there, like the coffee breaks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. What I've uh, learned is that you need at least one face-to-face contact, like in real life, yeah, to be able to trust that person like completely. And how often would you say that is required? It may be just like once. That might be enough. It it could be like when you're onboarding people, there can be, I don't know, a cohort meeting together face to face and that's that's it. But that's something like I don't know, that's something I thought about when I work remotely in Finland because there's a thousand people company and there was like few people in Finland. So I only saw like two people wow. from a thousand. But if I would have lived in one of the startup hubs in Europe, I would have seen much more people. Yeah. It's maybe just my country. Yeah, but but have you got the app? I mean, I suppose having the opportunity to travel to the office, one of those start hubs. I don't know if that's an opportunity or not. Yeah, with my own money. Yeah, okay. Company won't. So that, that was the case. And I think companies should do it. That's a big investment, like you said. Yeah. But so is uh, having an office somewhere That's and you're true. saving that money. So maybe you could use that money for something else. I don't know if, if it's like healthy doing a, if you want to be a profitable company, you just don't have an office. I don't know if that's like a good mindset. Well, I think like, a lot of people want to mix, right? I see, I mean, they like to come in, maybe not every yeah. week, but they like to come in at least, or sometimes maybe one or two days a week, or it might come in a couple of days a month. So. Yeah, yeah. The office, but I suppose, I mean, but also, I mean, there's other ways as well. We look at that. I think that, you know, staff attrition is a big, big issue and it costs a lot of money to replace somebody. Yeah. Not only to source and recruit them, to onboard them, to build up that knowledge and expertise to get them performing. And they, it's months of work and a huge financial cost. True. And so, I mean, if you add that all up, I mean, there's, there's massive savings to be had by investing that money back into employee well-being and the health and looking after them and things like that and mental health fitness programs lots of stuff that you can do in the company that i think wouldn't cost a lot of money but would adds huge benefit yeah true true and maybe the future of work is just not just remote flexible work but it might be contractor work freelancing like yep. companies hiring people for projects attrition is under a year that might be like a good choice to think about. Yes. Yeah, yeah I agree. I, listen, I agree completely. But get, let's get this because uh, maybe because I'm conscious of the time here and it's a different time, oh, yeah. but, we uh, which is a very interesting subject. Maybe we come back for another time. <laughs> but just getting back to that customer success team and building that team and the challenges you faced. I mean, in your experience, what has worked well and not so well in building customer success teams? Is there kind of something like key pointers that you'd say to people? I think the Key points is that you have to like have clear call, clear goals for the team. You have to know why you hire the CSMs, okay. not just for support. If you don't know what you're doing, you're just hiring generalist people for as a like glorified support. 
with the title of CSM and you're just adding people on the team. You don't know what you're doing. So I think start with why. Why should we have CSM? What are their roles? Because you have account management, you have support. Why CSM? You can't like hire CSMs and say that NPS is your only metric. That doesn't make any sense because NPS is the whole company's metrics. NRR is the whole company metric because you need to have a good product for that. So why is just CSM's job? It's everybody's job to get companies to stay with you, to build the uh, like features they want. So yeah, you need to have like a very strong vision and focus for the team. I think that's like the only tip. Yeah, well, I mean, it makes sense because so many people and companies go straight to the solutions rather than looking at what is actually the problem. Yeah. And that's, I, I think that's from my design background that I tend to start with the problem and find the actual real problem to fix and then get the people to fix it. Yeah. Not the other way around. Hiring CSMs because it's the new thing in SaaS or it's not the new thing anymore, but everybody has to have CSMs, but you don't know how you're going to use them. And I think that's the thing why CSMs were in these layoffs, where a lot of CSMs and in some companies, the whole CS function was cut, probably because they didn't have a clear vision, a clear goal for the team. They didn't have the right metrics to prove why they're actually in the company. It's not just about customer satisfaction. It's about spending $2 for this action CSM2, and that brings $4 into the bank. But I think with many companies, it's just like a cost center. You pour in money Mm -hmm. and you don't know what happens inside. And then customers stay with you or they might stay with you because you build the right feature for them. Or they might stay with you because you have a good support. Or they might stay with you because it's not easy to change to another <laughs> provider. You know, it's not just about the CSMs. So I think the CEOs are thinking about, okay, if we lose two CSMs, no, does it no, make no. any? Yeah. So you need yeah. to prove why you're there and uh, have a clear goal. Yeah, thank you, Ante. I mean, I like it because I did a couple of podcasts recently about customer value and customer success and the value of that. And we, we do a lot of, t- we, we, f- we did focus a lot on that in terms of metrics, measuring it and bringing it back to ORI ultimately, because you have to be able to justify that to your CEO and senior management, why you exist and what are you actually delivering for the company. So yeah. what, what you're saying there is correct. It makes a lot of sense to me. And if you can do that to the C- uh, CEO, you can do that for your team. Yeah. Then your CSMs know what activities they should do. And, you know, you're incentivized by those activities and you have a well-oiled machine that everybody knows what to do, like sales and marketing. I think CS is not there yet because it's so different in different companies because different products need different kind of support and this and that. It's not like that easy to like say what CS is and what is it not. You know what I mean? Because it's so different. And that's the key point. What is it? Yeah. What, are you, what are you looking to achieve? And so that's when I see people sorry. asking for templates in the communities. I'm like, no, no, no. That's like a template for this company and this product. Mm. 
you need to like go to your customers and see what they need what is the outcome what is the journey to that outcome but yeah it's yeah great idea Listen, thank you great i really got some great points and tips there for fellow customer success leaders to listen to and to learn from and thank you for your time today if people would like to get in touch with you what's the best way linkedin fantastic i will put um, a link anyhow in the podcast when i post it to your linkedin bio and people can reach out to ante so ante thank you so much for your time today thank you ken